Instacart came late this morning, babes. Later than usual, but they got here. It did give us a little bit of time to do some recording. Yeah. Some private stuff. Yeah, really private. That I'm apparently not allowed to talk about some of it. And no. No, but... Not yet, anyway. Yeah, people will hear it in a hundred years after I'm gone. I don't even know if we'll be here in a hundred years. Or or people will be here in a hundred years. But. Well, that's true. That's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah. So... Obviously, as you are well aware, I went down the clubhouse rabbit hole in 2021. Uh, yeah, that's when you started. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> I had known about the Louis Armstrong recordings before then, how he would take conversations with his friends. He'd take an early recorder and put it in the middle of the room if there was a party going on. And somebody would ask him, he'd just say, oh, don't even worry about that thing. <laughs> but... There was, I think, some jazz room about Louis Armstrong, and I might still have a copy of it because, I don't know, somehow clubhouse rooms got recorded, and who knows who did that. Yeah. But I was in the room. Yeah. I'm not saying it was me because I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. Because I would never do that. Okay. But apparently, so they had on somebody from the Louis Armstrong Library. Uh-huh. Those recordings are now available for the public. Wow. I need to go on and download those. Okay. I keep telling myself I'm going to do that. You're going to do that, yeah. Because I think that would be super interesting. Wow. He seems like a fascinating man. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that he was adopted by a Yiddish family when he was about 10. Right. And uh, a lot of his music um, uh, stemmed from a lot of the, the Yiddish lullabies that his, his, his adoptive mom would sing to him and... Uh, yeah, they called him Satchmo. I think that was his nickname for whatever reason. I wish that I could have an evening just talking with him about life. Yeah. Because I think you'd learn a lot of interesting stuff, not just about him, but about New Orleans back in the day, you know, and what he thought about some of his contemporaries. I liked his, um, his guest star on High Society with, uh, Frank Sinatra and, um, Bing Crosby. I don't think that was Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra and Ben Crosby were in High Society. Ask Miss A. Yes, it was. We watched it Bing together. Crosby was probably in it, but I don't think it was Frank Sinatra. Alexa, was Frank Sinatra in the movie High Society? Wow. Alexa, stop. Yeah. Okay, did. I got it wrong. You did. We watched wow. it together. We did. I totally spaced that Frank was in it. Yeah, you did. I'm not a Sinatra person. Okay. He seems to me like he was probably a vile human being. There's just something about him that grades on me. You don't even know the man, bud. I know, but just things I've heard about him and his connection to the mob. Um, and the way I heard he treated his kids. I don't know. There's something about Frank Sinatra that really rubs me the wrong way. And you don't know why. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there was, and we mentioned this before, the mob. I literally just mentioned that. I know. The mob and other stuff. He he was arrested for having an affair with uh, somebody other than his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, this was like back in the 1930s. Yes. Um, and I, listen, I'm not a moralist, so that's not the thing. Even though I said, mm-hmm. But it, it, he seemed to me like somebody who thought he was entitled. And there was that infamous interview that, well, infamous in Rick's world. I don't know about anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy Davis Jr. gave with, I think, a radio show back in the early 60s where he said, I've seen Frank Sinatra be very rude to wait staff. Wow. And apparently they didn't talk for maybe six months and... Sammy Davis Jr. had to get down on his knees in public and beg uh, Frank for forgiveness. For saying that on the radio? Yes. Well, if that was true, then why did he have to, I mean, I don't know, maybe he was afraid. Because Frank didn't want that out there. Oh. He wanted the image of the perfect guy. Oh, but he wasn't. No. I read about that in Kitty Kelly's book. Now, I know you read a lot of Kitty Kelly stuff. How much of it do you think was fabricated? I don't know, but I will say this in relation to the Sinatra one. Apparently, he threatened to sue Kitty Kelly, mm-hmm. right, before the book was released. Mm-hmm. And then 
they had to have a fact checker run through the book and they couldn't find any instances of her lying. And Frank Sinatra never sued her. Hmm. Now, it's possible, though, that maybe she fabricated something and Frank looked at it and said, okay, these three things he said are completely untrue, but if I sue, it's just going to bring more attention to the book. So let's let it go. I could believe that as well. Mm-hmm. But they're fun reads. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. You're not a Frank person, though. No, I'm not a big fan of his. I mean, there's maybe a couple of songs that I like, like New York, New York, Fly Me to the Moon, and Strangers in the Night. But that's about it. Okay. I don't go deep with Frank Sinatra stuff. That's fair. Um, I mean, and I like, I like Michael Bublé a little bit of his stuff because um, he was a... You know, he, he, he sang like, uh, he's a younger version of Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought he was very, I thought, I think, he, I still think he's very talented. But as far as Frank Sinatra goes, I could take him or leave him. Nice. If that makes any sense. I hear you with that one there. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. Appreciate the art, but not the artist. Exactly. <laughs> and it's okay that I think he's overrated. That doesn't mean that he is. It's just yeah. one man's opinion. Exactly. Yeah. He died the same night that the last episode of Seinfeld aired. Which apparently was a bad one. I didn't watch it. I yeah. heard a lot of people were t- was talking about it. You've heard me talk about how bad it was. I heard it from other people back in the day when I was still a teenager saying that it was a bad episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And they were just up in arms about it. We've talked about the Seinfeld reunion on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yep. But this week I saw Jason Alexander talking about it during an interview. Mm -hmm. And he made some really interesting points. He said there are a couple reasons he didn't want to do it. And one of them was if they would have done it any place else besides for HBO Mm -hmm. and on Larry David's show, they could have gotten millions of dollars each. Mm -hmm. And HBO paid them good money, but it wasn't nothing like they could have got someplace else. Mm -hmm. Um. And he also said Seinfeld was very scripted, right? Mm-hmm. So you had to know your lines. They wanted everything to be said word perfect, apparently. Right. Mm-hmm. But with Curb, you've never seen the show. I, I don't know how familiar you, you are with how it's put together. But Larry David will write a premise and then let actors improv to the end result. So it was, pre- it was purely improv and it wasn't like you had to know your lines. Well... I don't know if it's purely improv. What I've also heard is he'll give suggestions of things to say, but he might want the end result to be a fight at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's up to you to hit the talking points on why the fight is happening. Mm -hmm. But whatever you want to say to get to those talking points and to end with the fight is pretty much okay with him. Hmm. Um, And he said that that was another concern because it had been 10 years since they worked together. There was a question, did they lose their chemistry they're not getting paid what they could be getting paid anywhere else. And back in the day, they had these very drawn-out scripts. Mm-hmm. And now they're just going with some talking points. Hmm. But I thought they did it well. Interesting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I've also been going down a Tony Danza rabbit hole. Yeah, you've been going down a few rabbit holes this week, haven't you? How do you feel about this? Well, it doesn't surprise me. You go down quite a number of rabbit holes. And sometimes I do too. Like once I get a kick, I'm like, I got to find out more about this person or mm-hmm. these people, you know? Um, but but that's kind of interesting that yeah. you did. I always was under the impression that Tony Danza was a little bit of a jerk. Really? Yes. I don't know why. I liked who was the boss as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I felt that he always tried too hard to seem nice, mm. if that makes sense. I never thought he was a jerk. I thought, and I didn't really see a lot of taxi either mm-hmm. because as you know, he was on taxi. Yes. Never didn't see a lot of taxi, but I heard interviews with him. I also heard that he used to teach history or at what, at one time, or at least for a little while. And he just seemed like a, like your guy next door to me. Okay. That's fair enough. A guy from New York that lived next door. That's what he seemed like to me. <laughs> Your local teacher down the street. I've been watching a little bit of Taxi recently. So yeah. that and another thing. I also went down the rabbit hole because I saw part of an interview that Judith Light did. 
where she was asked about the cast of Who's the Boss. Mm-hmm. And, of course, every actress basically says, oh, these people were great. They're like my second family, mm-hmm. right? You hear, you rarely hear an actor say, I hated these folks. I wanted nothing to or, do with or, them or at the end of the show. Or them even admit it, yeah. Yeah. But some people, you can tell that they really did have chemistry and they really liked each other. Too. But you can have chemistry and have issues with people. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's get into this a little bit. She gives us long thing about how cool Tony Danza was. Apparently, according to her, he would come in and have already read the newspapers. Wow. And would quiz the kids about what was in there. Mm-hmm. Because he wanted to help them become more than Hollywood actor kids. More, right? more um, Evolved, thinking about other things, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know how much of this is true or how much mm-hmm. of this is Judith Light blowing smoke up his ass. But let's assume for a minute that it's true. Or hers. Yeah, and they would read the scripts. He apparently had this policy where he would want to be home by 7.30, yeah. the time that Jeopardy starts. <laughs> now, I've never gone to a taping of a sitcom, yeah. but from what I heard, they can go till like pretty late, like 1 or 2 in the morning. Uh-huh. And I forget the specifics in the interview, but she was just explaining on how he would put things together mm-hmm. to help memorize lines. And so the when they would do the live show, they could just run through it. And she yeah. said that basically after the first season, because, you know, in the first year, you're kind of getting things worked out. But yeah. after that, mm-hmm. he would almost always be uh, in home in time to watch Jeopardy. Wow. Yeah. So I watched that. Because it's YouTube, they give me other recommendations. Mm-hmm. And they recommend this clip of Tony Danza talks about teach which i don't know what that is what is that apparently there's some show called teach a tony danza huh and he goes into it in the clip a little bit mm-hmm. so i might have it was either 2007 or 2010 one of those years he gets fired from a show that he was on i think it was his talk show so it's probably mm-hmm. 2007 mm-hmm. um and he doesn't know what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. But Tony Danza was in the teaching. He never really taught, but he, I guess he went to school for it. And Tony decides to teach at a school. He's telling somebody about this, and the person says, this would make a great plot for a reality TV show, right? Mm-hmm. Tony says, you can never sell it. Within a half hour, the guy calls back and says, I sold it to Amy. Amy? So. A and E. Oh, A M E. I'm sorry. A and E, not A. I'm sorry. A and E. Yes. Sorry. That's okay. You said it really fast. Oh my goodness. They only make six episodes, and the show is canceled. But mm-hmm. Tony says that he did the job for an entire year teaching at the school, and that it really had a huge impact and pretty much changed his life. Mm-hmm. So I watched this, and I'm like, that would make a great concept for a book i wonder if tony banza wrote a book about this Mm -hmm. because this is of course where my mind goes babes i read some stuff once in a while i know you know more than i do folks okay sometimes a little bit crazier than i do (laughs) crazy fast books (laughs) i actually didn't read this book i listened to it because i go on bard and tony did write a book about this and he reads the audiobook that's pretty cool yeah it was a really interesting story so he taught for the year. So in the clip, it also said that at the end, that when they first, in the interview mm-hmm. that I watched, it said when they first go to the school, because there's cameras and because he's Tony Danza, yeah. the principal wasn't sure if he was going to take this seriously or if this yeah. was a joke. Right. But he said at the end of the year, the principal asked if he would want to teach for a second year. Yep. And he said that it would have just been too emotional for him. Right. Because you get caught up in the lives of your students. And, and, and a lot of teachers get attached. And he couldn't have a private life either. Yeah. And he was yeah. going through some issues with his marriage. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, mm-hmm. okay, I have to read this book now or listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Download it. Start it. You know, he gives a lot of the same spiel at the beginning. I was aspire, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he says... We went to a lot of different school districts to try to pull something like this off. Because not only am I a first-time teacher, but we're bringing cameras in. L.A. rejected him. All these other cities rejected him. But Philadelphia, there was 
the mayor was open to doing something and they talked to the superintendent who hooked this whole thing up. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not like a regular teacher, meaning at this particular school, they have like five different classes throughout the day. Oh, yeah, I've had that before. Right. In high school. Yep. That's how most teachers. Five are. different periods. Yeah. yeah, five different periods, rather. Yeah. And Tony's only doing one. Yeah. So it's a little bit because he's a celebrity, let's be honest, right? But still, he's doing something. He's doing something, yeah. He goes in there the first day and he's greeting students, shaking their hands, mm -hmm. telling them to sanitize their hands because he has hand sanitizer there. Yep. Because he's Tony Danza. Okay. Right? They sit down. And he says, okay, ask me questions. Somebody asked something. I don't remember what it was. And then somebody else says, are you a millionaire? Mm -hmm. And he basically says, yes, but that's not the point. We're here to get educated, not, <laughs> you know, talk about my finances. Yeah, yeah. It's about his relationship with these kids and the school district and having the cameras, right? So he didn't know that apparently you're supposed to sign in as a teacher when you get there in the morning. Yep. He found that out the second day, goes, and the lady who has him sign in is a little bit miffed that he didn't do this and think that he's breaking the rules because he's a celebrity teacher. Oh, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. That goes on. There's a bunch of stuff that goes on with the students. This school is not doing that well. Mm -hmm. They failed some standardized tests the year before. Mm -hmm. They failed it again. There's a chance that this school is going to become like a charter school. Was this in uh, 2010? I think it was 2010, 2007, somewhere around there. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So that eventually comes up later. But Tony's just trying to get through the day, and everybody basically in his classroom says, You talk too much. You're talking mm -hmm. a lot. He has an ex teacher in the classroom. Not to take over for the class, but to debrief with Tony. Yeah. And say, hey, this is what you did right. This is what I think you can improve on. That type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So he was kind of like um, being sort of critiqued then. Yes. the teachers, yeah. Now, in the back backdrop of this, his family is living in New York. Mm -hmm. I'm not that familiar with the East Coast, but if I understand it right, Philadelphia is only a couple hours away from New York by car. Uh, yeah, I believe Pennsylvania is on the East Coast, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But he can't just drive home every night and then come back into the city every uh -huh. morning. Yeah. So he's staying away from his family. Yeah. Gets closer to Thanksgiving. He's supposed mm -hmm. to go there and be with the fam. Mm -hmm. But there's a big football thing yeah. on Thanksgiving and, you know, everybody is encouraged to go there. A uh, student of his wants him to attend her, like, band group, I guess. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So he realizes logistically he can't go back for Thanksgiving. Oh. Calls his family, and they agree that he should stay there. And he was upset how, at how quickly they agreed to that. Wow. Okay. He, was, he wanted them to, for him to come. He wanted to be wanted, I guess. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff with the students. I'm not going to go into it. But mm -hmm. one of the stories that's kind of interesting is he kicks one of his students out into the hallway for arriving late for a test. And everybody's given the tests. And he sees that during it, a kid is playing with his phone. Oh. And he's like, okay, that's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Gets the test results back from all the kids who are in the classroom and the one in the hallway. Mm -hmm. And the kid who is playing with his phone... And his mm -hmm. buddy who were in the hallway have the same test results. Wow. Right? Uh-huh. Now, because there's a camera crew there, Tony can go back and ask the camera crew, what was this kid in the hall doing mm -hmm. when we were in the classroom? Yep. And they don't know every little detail, but they can clearly see that he's looking at his phone the entire time. The and, implicate, and that, yeah. yeah, the implication being that his friend in the classroom was texting him the answers. Uh-huh. So uh -huh. Tony wonders what to do mm -hmm. because, yes, he can punish him for this. But is he going to learn anything? Well, it's more than is he going to learn anything. It's also the dilemma of if I was just a regular teacher, I wouldn't know for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't have access to this information. But because I'm Tony Danza from Taxi, I get a camera. Right? He talks to some teachers about this and they basically said... 
you have to let this one slide. And in the future, don't allow cell phones in your classroom. But you have to let them get away with this one because this is the only, you wouldn't have any information without the cameras. And the mm -hmm. cameras might not always be there. Mm -hmm. So he reluctantly agrees to that. Now, Tony wants to take the kids to New York, mm -hmm. go to a Broadway show, yep. do all this fancy stuff. Yep. The production doesn't want to pay that much money. So they want to take the kids to Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you kind of have to, because they're helping out a little bit, right? So there's kids who have problems, and I'm not going to go into every detail, but members of the production help the kids. And when I say problems, I'm not talking about cheating on tests. I'm talking about issues at home and whatnot. Right. Right. So he agrees, gets the school to agree with this. They all get on the bus and leave one day. And because it's part of a TV production as well, they get a nice fancy lunch. Mm -hmm. And around this time, they start learning about Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. and this is going to relate to the DC trip. Shakespeare. So they go to the Smithsonian. Mm -hmm. They see some of Shakespeare's writings. And there's a Shakespeare actor's troupe that's doing a performance. Mm -hmm. And they invite some of the kids on stage. Mm -hmm. It's a great time. They go home. And the next day, the shit kind of hits the fan. Here's what I mean by that. Tony goes into the school. He's on cloud nine, very excited. Goes to the principal's office to sign in. And the lady who he had issues with at the beginning of the book mm -hmm. for not signing in on the first day, she's upset with Tony Danza for the field trip. And he's like, oh, I went really well. The kids had a great time. And we think they learned something. And she said, yes. But their other teachers didn't know that they were going to be out of class. It's your responsibility, not theirs, to tell and their other teachers that. Uh -oh. So he gets yelled at by them. Mm-hmm. He's walking around the hallways, getting ready for class, and the producer of the A&E show calls up uh -huh. and says, we have a problem with the footage from Washington, D.C. And he's like, uh -oh. did something go wrong with the cameras? He's like, no, the cameras are fine. It's like, but it was a great time. The kids got to learn. There's the Smithsonian. They got to go on sta stage with Shakespearean trained actors, and they showed the actors how much they knew. And the producer says, yes, but there was no real drama there. Oh, so they wanted to be dramatic. Of course, of course. Of course they do. And uh, now, you never know how much is true and how much is fake of, about an actor, right? But according to Tony Danza, when he was getting into this, he was reluctant to do it as a TV show because he doesn't like reality TV uh -huh. and how they manipulate things. Yeah. And he was mm -hmm. told that they weren't going to do that with this. Mm -hmm. And he basically tells them, we're not reshooting it. This is what it is. We're not here to manipulate the kids. Yeah, and, and I totally get that because he, he they were in, they were, uh, you know, he was responsible for those kids. Yep. Okay. So things keep going on and eventually he agrees to let them go to New York for another mm -hmm. trip. Mm-hmm. So they go, and I'm actually editing a lot of uh, about the book Did out. Did he tell the teachers? Yeah, yeah. This time he okay. told the teachers everything. And the pr the principal wants to go with them. Mm -hmm. The kids are pissed because they don't like this principal. Mm -hmm. And in truth, he doesn't want her to go either. Mm -hmm. But he tells the kids, listen, this is an opportunity for us. We're not always going to have everything we want in life. Sometimes there's going to be things that come up. And this is something that comes up. So he says, let's look at this differently. This lady, the principal, has a lot of power over you guys, right? He says, okay, well, why don't we write an, a letter asking her to come with us? Mm -hmm. Because then she'll feel wanted. And then maybe if you need a favor late, later on, she'll <laughs> be a little bit more likely to help you. Okay. That's a good strategy. Yeah. So they go and there's a problem with one of the kids who's mm -hmm. trying to make noise during the play. And oh. he's trying to run away from Tony. But that all gets settled. Okay. A friend of Tony's owns a restaurant, and bringing this back to Frank Sinatra, Sinatra used to be a regular at this place. Uh -huh. And they give the kids and Tony Frank's old table. Oh, wow. Everybody's having a great time. Get back to the school. It's late at night. Mm -hmm. The kids go, and the principal pulls Tony aside and says, you and I could both be fired for what happened today. And Tony's thinking about this in his mind. First, he thinks maybe it's the kid who they're having some issues with, but he's not sure. And she says, no, it's not that. 
when we went to your friend's place, you had some alcohol. And he said that it was just stupidity on his part. Like he wasn't even thinking uh-huh. when he ordered the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Which I could see people do dumb things all the time. Yeah. And you shouldn't do that. No, no. Mm-mm. And when I was a counselor, not to say it was the same thing, but I didn't drink alcohol on the job. Yeah, it's, it's just not, yeah. it's not a good idea. I knew that. other people who did, but I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even if they were adults, you kind of, you, you need to show some kind of professionalism. Exactly. Yeah. But anyways, they get through that. And shortly afterwards, Tony gets the word that the TV show is canceled. Mm -hmm. They're only going to do six episodes. Mm -hmm. This isn't about now January of that school year. Mm -hmm. There's speculation whether Tony is going to quit before the end of the school year, meaning the staff and a lot of the students are saying, now that we know that the show is done, you're out of here, right? And Mm -hmm. he says, no, I'm here for at least the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. He says, I signed up to do a full year. I'm doing a full year, show or no show. Mm -hmm. Okay. They keep doing classes. He gives them uh, all these different writing assignments, including getting them into poetry. Mm -hmm. A lot of them show some talent. Yeah. And... The show premieres in, I want to say, March of that year, but don't quote me on it. Of 2008? Something around there. 2011, I don't know the years. Mm. And Amy decides to have a party for the show premiering Mm -hmm. at this bowling alley. Mm -hmm. So there's a bowling alley downstairs, and there's like this restaurant bar area upstairs. Mm -hmm. They invite a lot of the kids... They invite Tony and the staff of the school. And before the show is shown to everybody, I guess it was in the contract with the school that the principal had to see the pilot Mm -hmm. before it aired. She makes a speech saying, I was nervous about this, but I'm really happy with the way this show turned out. Mm -hmm. Network executive comes up and says, this show is revolutionary. It's going to change the way people look at education, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. They put on the show. The sound is horrible. They have to hold a microphone up to the TV. Wow. And the executive is walking away. Tony confronts him. Everybody else is watching the um, the set. And he basically gets in this guy's face and says, you were just telling these kids that, and yet you have this thing at a bowling alley. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, and the sound is off. Mm-hmm. How would you feel about that? And he says that the network executive just walked away from him. Wow. Yeah. Tony finishes out the school year, decides not to return. Um, I don't really want to say anything too much about the book, uh, but it's really interesting. Hmm. And what did you just think of what I told you? Um, that's interesting because I I thought I heard that he had a teaching degree, but I didn't know if he actually taught regularly or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been interesting to have him as a teacher in general. Yeah, I get to ask him if he's a millionaire. Yeah. And, you know, if Billy Joel was not... So I'm thinking about Billy Joel because if he was not a musician or singer, he would have been a history teacher also. That's interesting. Yeah. And and it's evident in that song, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Nice. History is fascinating, I think. Um, But it's also how you teach it. Yeah, because if, if... And honestly, I don't learn it very well when teachers teach it based on just learning dates. I think it needs to be... Um, I think people need to act out history events, um, historical events, or even like seeing it through video. Yeah. Because seeing it through video, at least now I did really well in my U S history class because I studied the notes that the teacher wrote Mm -hmm. for the videos. But besides, uh, watching uh films about historical events i yeah. think it would have been fun to act it yeah oh sorry i i remembered one more thing i wanted to say about the premiere at the show yeah at the bowling alley um it'll drive me crazy if i don't bring it up um even though we're going back to it so as tony's watching the pilot before mm-hmm. he talks to the network executive mm-hmm. there's some conflict mm-hmm. For example, earlier in the book, he tells a story about how one student asked if her mom could bring in a cake for her birthday the next day. Yeah. He did allow that, and then he got yelled out by the one of the uh, other staffers. Wow. And there was other issues there. And he said when he was watching the pilot, mm-hmm. it made him wonder how much of the drama in the classroom with him and the kids was genuine 
and how much of it was the crew of the show trying to antagonize the kids or mm-hmm. trying to turn the staff on him. And he wondered, was the cake thing planted? Like, did they tell the kid to have her mom bring in a cake? That type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that increases anger. I don't think, you know what? I don't think, I think more and more now that I hear things being called quote unquote reality TV, I think there should be a different name for it. Because if it was really reality TV, it would be recorded in its element and it wouldn't be uh, manipulate, manipulated into something that somebody would watch but not know that that was faked. Yeah, I mean, you already know I'm not a big fan of those types of shows in general. Not me either. I mean. And, I mean, maybe he should have done it with PBS was the thought I kind of had. Oh, yeah, because it sounds to me like they don't really, you know, do that. At least I don't know them. Or, they might. or, or make it into a documentary, not a... TV series. TV series, yeah. Yeah. A documentary would have been good. Yeah, it's possible that the TV show is good, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I never bought that thing about reality TV. It's TV without writers, apparently. That's the way I would phrase it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, some of them actually have fun premises, but when you watch it, it's like, whoa, this is, this is really crazy. Yeah. By the way, speaking of writers mm-hmm. and actors, mm-hmm. they're saying that these strikes could go into next year. Wow. Yeah. And apparently, mm. I hope I got this right, a representative for the major studios like sat down with the, uh, it was either the writers union or the actors union last week but it was like the first time since this whole thing started wow like they weren't negotiating at all through mm. most of the summer and this happened during the summer the, uh, starting in june right the i want and i could have it wrong but i want to say that the writer's strike started at the end of may and the actor strike started in like mid-july wow yeah wow well that's not good no the big guy taking advantage of the little guy Oh, my. But this was an interesting book. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be interested to have Tony Danza as a teacher. I'm a little bit too old, though. Yeah, we're, we both are. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I think it would have been cool to, you know, at least talk to him about a lot of stories because he's lived longer than us, obviously. Yeah. How was it on Taxi? How was it on Who's the Boss? What was it like going from being a boxer to a television star? Oh, that's right, a boxer. Yeah. I had always thought that Tony Danza was probably super conservative. But when I'm reading the book and at the end of it, he doesn't say, well, we need to, you know, uh, my year of teaching taught me that we don't need teachers or we need to privatize all schools. He was like, no, we need to protect our teachers. We need to give them more resources. I'm like, oh, you're sounding like a lip here. And yeah, but there are conservatives that feel the same way that teachers need to be paid more. Okay. Um, that's good to know. Yeah, it's not just libs that think that. Nice. And then I, I'm and then I'm thinking, well, maybe he's a conservative, <laughs> but like this is the one issue where he's a little bit more lib. And you would thought he was a conservative too. I wasn't the only one who had this. No, I I mean I mean, I don't know. I mean, he didn't really talk about politics. But so. when we were talking the other day, you kind of <laughs> said that you thought he was conservative. I did, yeah. Yeah. So we both thought that. And I also thought that um, Judith Light was definitely more lib than he was. That's good. Judith Light is pretty lib from what I can tell. Yeah. Yes. Libby. Yes. And we like that here. No, we don't. Oh. No, well, you do, but I don't. But we did some research <laughs> and apparently Danza has said some disparaging things about Donald Trump before. And it's possible that Donald Trump said disparaging things about him. No, I'm just kidding. It's possible. No, he has he has he has an opinion. I don't agree with it, but he, um, generally speaking, he sounds like he's like a kind of person you could talk to. Yeah. Just to ask about different kinds of stories, and he's probably has a have a has a ton, a ton of stories in Hollywood mm-hmm. about Hollywood and you know people you should avoid. And <coughs> didn't you say that he beat somebody up? I hope we don't have that Rona because I'm having a throat thing too. No, no, it's just, it's, it's something in my throat. It's just. Okay, good. I heard something about him beating up a photographer in the nineties. I'm not sure if like I'm conflating that with something else though. Um, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. So don't quote me on that one there. Whoa. Oh, 
Okay. Yes. 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 But that was interesting stuff there, little J-Wall. Uh, one more thing I need to say about Instacart, which was really surprising, is that I got um, extra toilet paper and extra paper towels. My assumption is this lady was probably working on multiple orders and accidentally gave you those. <coughs> well, it's okay. <clears throat> well, it will probably be added to your receipt, babes. I know. I I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. I might, I might, uh, that might be something I dock off of a percentage here. Nice. But it's only a little bit. Okay. She pretty much got everything I needed. But the paper products, not so much. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anywho. We've been watching some Mia. Yeah. Talk about it. Okay. <coughs> we both watched two episodes. Um, I want to talk about the last one I watched because I thought that was really funny. Um, and you didn't want to watch them at first. No, I was busy with other stuff, Bugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> why would I? Why would you say that, Bugs? Because you knew that I, I thought it was really funny. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm joking, babes. Oh, my God. You want to give me a kiss? No. All right, I'll let you give me a kiss. You'll let me? Yeah, why not? I, I, you're, you're telling me that I'm privileged to kiss you? Is that what yeah. you mean? Check your good boy kissing privilege. Oh. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> okay, you. You. <coughs> okay, so anyway. Um, Phyllis asks Mary, well, what are you doing tonight? Please be home by a certain hour because I have a surprise for you. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Your brother Ben's coming into town. <laughs> and she's like, you ruined my surprise. Like, you told me about it. <laughs> he comes to town and, and she's like, you know, she's like boosting this guy's ego, right? She says, "Oh, he's a he's an excellent pianist, and he plays beautiful Mozart stuff, and <clears throat> and he's just a genius." And and she's making it sound like, you know, Ben is like her. Mm -hmm. Go on, please. So later that night. Phyllis comes over with Ben. They're having this discussion. And Phyllis is like, you know, Lars and I have extra tickets to the symphony. And Mary and Ben aren't really excited about this idea. So it, <laughs> Lars and Phyllis go. Well, he meets Rhoda, too. What, you want me to get to him? Yeah, he'll go that way. Okay. Does, that doesn't happen in that scene. I know it doesn't. I know. So it's a little <laughs> bit later. And Mary is getting ready for dinner. Ben knocks on the door. He's like, I'm sorry. You know how Phyllis can be, whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mary's like, you know why don't we have dinner tonight? So they sit down. And Maya's other friend walks through the door. Water. Water. Yeah. She sits down. Oh, by the way, as a side note, another thing about Tony Danza. Yeah. We found out that he was married to Rhoda in the 70s. A Rhoda. Not Rhoda Morgan Stern. That's a very good point, babe. Oh, my goodness. Anyways. Rhoda Morgan Stern was not wheel. Thank you. They had little J. Little Morgan Stern. Anyways. Ah. So Rhoda sits down in between them and she starts talking with Ben. They start to hit it off and they leave. And Mary's not threatened by this at all. She's like, oh, whatever. I can get other and, guys. And Rhoda is like, you know, I'm not really a music person, but I'll go to the symphony with you, which is kind of funny, actually. Pick it up the little J-Wall. So, <laughs> so Mary's like, okay, well, have a good time. Phyllis comes back and she's like, I'll tell you what happened. She's looking very upset. I was... Very happy and thinking, oh, finally, Mary's going to have a date with my brother. Well, I see Ben and Rhoda, right? Her, Rhoda. And they end up sitting next to us. And she starts snapping her fingers to Mozart's. <laughs> oh. That was really funny. So her plan didn't work. And, you know, Phyllis is very manipulative and very controlling. You know, I try not to be controlling, she says. It's funny. Yes. Now, another thing that's going on in this episode is Mary wants to throw a party because she doesn't get to do it often. Yep. And before the party, there's also a scene where Rhoda comes in to borrow some stuff and Phyllis is there. Yep. And Rhoda's kind of like joking around about how she may have already had sex with Ben, blah, blah, blah. But anyways. How Rhoda did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Comes to the night of the party. Phyllis is there, and she's just, like, really upset. And she's crying. Yeah, she's crying. She talks to Lou about it. 
Um, and Ted is dating Georgette. Georgette. He's even more dumber than he is. He... And and he meets Georgette at uh, uh, Rhoda's going away party, which is in a different episode. Yes. For somebody who doesn't have parties a lot, this Mary Tyler Moore lady sure had a lot of them. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. She gives Phyllis a little, little spiel about how, you know, don't ruin this for me when Rhoda comes in. I don't get to have parties that much. Rhoda comes in. Your girl ruins the party. And then Phyllis goes to talk to her and she's like, you know, I know you've had sex with my brother. She didn't say quite like that. Man. She didn't say it. She she kept it PG. Yeah. But she basically said, I, da 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 And then Rhoda's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's not my type. He's gay. She's like, what? It's like he's gay, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so relieved." I'm surprised they went there because this was the I early seventies. It was in the seventies, and that wasn't talked about. But I thought it was kind of edgy for that uh, sitcom. Yeah, but also kind of cool that they would do that. Of course. Oh, of course, Bob. Of course, Bob. Nothing I got is cool in my book, Bob. Oh my goodness. Okay, now you're making fun no, of me no, no. again. We can still watch the show even though <laughs> Phyllis didn't disown her brother. Yes, Bubs. Okay, good. Bubs, do you really think I'm that close-minded? No, no, I'm having fun, babes. Uh, but Phyllis... Uh, and, my and I like that, like, he's gay isn't really that big of a thing in this episode. Like, it's big in the sense that now we know he didn't do anything with Rhoda. Yeah. But it's not like Phyllis can't talk to her brother anymore. Like, Yeah. You know, I guess. Um, and it ends with uh, Rhoda and Mary in the kitchen, and, and, and Phyllis and, and Ben's and playing the piano. Yep. And she's like, "I love Mozart," and he's like, "Actually, it's one of my commercials." Because <laughs> he uh, com- writes commercial jingles. That's how yeah. he gets paid. That's how he gets paid. Yep. But he can make a lot of money. I mean, Barry Manilow made a lot of money on his jingles. Yep. That was a really good episode. That was really funny. And then, of course, there was one about Lou's place. Talk about it. No, you talk about it. Oh, I'll talk about it. Yes. You won't, but I will. But you will. Okay. There's this guy who has a bar. The guy's name is... McCluskey. McCluskey. But he dies. He's dead. Um, But Lou goes to the bar, sees all of his friends. He arm wrestles with this guy. And is Lou... Mm-hmm. And loses and buys the guy a drink. And what we find out is that he intentionally loses to this guy because the guy is on hard times, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they don't know what's going to happen to McCluskey's. Lou contacts McCluskey's wife, who agrees to sell it to him if he can raise $10,000. Lou's thinking about this. He's like $1,500 short. And it's coming down to the wire. He's asking everybody for fifteen hundred. Wouldn't you know who has it? Ted Baxter. Ted Baxter. Yeah. So they become business partners. <laughs> uh, McCluskey's reopens. None of the old gang is really going there, except for the guy who gets free drinks because Lou yeah. loses. And him. he's trying to invite everybody in the newsroom to go every day. So, so. Um, Lou arm wrestles with the guy, loses, of course, intentionally, gets the guy a drink. And then, but before he can get the drink, Ted is like, I'll arm wrestle with you, double or nothing. And he, you know, easily beats this dude. Yep. Mary and some of the gang walks in and he wants to give them a thing of champagne. Mm -hmm. And Ted is like, well, Lou, that's coming out of your half. He's like, no, Ted, that's coming out of both our halves. (laughs) And he says, let's arm wrestle over it. Because he's thinking that Lou must be really easy to beat. Yep. But Lou's playing for real this time and easily beats Ted. Oh, wow. Yeah. But still, people aren't coming to the bar. Yep. And it dawns on Lou that they came because they love McCluskey. So he has to become more personable with people. And they're try- and he's, he's he has this group of people at the bar. Who come in. Including Mary and Rhoda. Yep. And he gets them to sing. He tries to get them to sing as loud as possible. Yeah. And is not really focusing on giving them drinks. Yeah. Realizes that he can't own a bar, so decides to sell it. <laughs> That's pretty much the episode. That was really funny. That was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked it there, little jello. I liked it too, yell Bubbles. Good. Yeah. 
I read some other stuff this week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I really read some other stuff this week. So, I finished the book on the making of The Wizard of Oz. And you said you liked it. I thought it was good. <clears throat> um, it talked... Uh, they talked about the little people and... The they, munchkins. The munchkins. They talked about, obviously, Judy Garland. You know everybody. Yes. Martha... Um, uh, Margaret Hamilton, I mean. Margaret Hamilton. So, let's get to the accident. Mm-hmm. Margaret Hamilton has to do some stunt for the movie and basically goes wrong because Victor Fleming is, you know, adjusting it at the last minute. She gets burnt on her face and on one of uh, the back of one of her hands. Now, the no. face is bad, but it's not like so bad that, yeah. she, you know, it doesn't ruin her career or anything. Yeah. But there was really a lot of concern over her hand. Yeah. Because she was wearing green makeup. Oh, boy. Don't ask me why. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of tell you. But green makeup, there's only like two types of makeup if mm. you're uh, colored differently. Yeah. So if they put like blue, yellow, green on you yeah. that are toxic. And oh, green wow. is one of them because apparently it has copper. Oh. So they were afraid about the green seeping into her hand. Uh-huh. But they get it taken care of. And she doesn't have to get any skin grafts or anything. Um, I don't think so but don't quote me on that okay but anyway she goes home she has a three-year-old son mm -hmm. the father's not in the picture don't ask me why mm -hmm. and she basically has some of her relatives come over to watch the son for the night because they don't know what her face is going to look like like it turned out okay right. Right. but she could have ended up looking really weird yep okay next morning she's there doctor comes over they're taking the gauze out one of her relatives answers the phone and it's the studio they want to know what's going on with her. Doctor takes the phone from the relative and says, hey, I'm over here. We're taking the gauze out now. She's not coming back to work today. Don't ever call here again. I'll let you know when she can go back to work. And he says, I'm going to recommend that she sues you. You're probably going to get lucky and she won't, but that's going to be my recommendation to her. I may have had the probably be lucky part, but you know how I do. Yep. Okay. She's off the set for six weeks. Now, she had, obviously, a stunt double who, I forget her name, but she's, the stunt double started out in movies in 1927. She goes to California for a visit. Her and her friend get on a set of a movie, and she just starts working in the industry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Margaret Hamilton, six weeks has gone by. She's supposed to come in and shoot the stunt where she's riding the broom on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. The Friday before the day earlier, they call her into the studio just to go over some stuff. And she said in the book that it's probably a big part of the reason was they wanted to see what her face looked like. Well, wow. Okay, so she goes in, does the whole th thing. It's great. Comes back the next day to shoot the stuff on the broom. Gets on there. And she thinks they're just going to shoot her face. Mm -hmm. But they want to shoot smoke coming out of the broom. So uh -oh. she says, no, we're not doing that. And I'm going to leave right now. Mm -hmm. Representative says, you know, we're going to tell Louis B. Mayer, who's the head of the studio. And he might be mad at you for this. And she says, he can fire me for all I care. I have a three-year-old son. And I'm the only way that we have money coming in our house. Mm -hmm. So if I'm fired, I'm fired. But I'm not doing the stunt. Mm -hmm. And then they say, there's no way we're going to get this wrong, Margaret. She says, I'm not doing it. She gets off the broom. So walking out as her stunt double is walking in, and she says, be careful. And the stunt double's response was, they're paying me a lot of money for this. Okay, so Margaret Hamilton leaves. Stunt double gets on the broom. And they're basically lighting asbestos mm -hmm. to cause the smoke. And they do it a couple of times. It's okay. But it's like the secondhand director. And then mm -hmm. Victor Fleming comes in and says, we need more smoke. So they stuff some stuff into this pipe. Oh, wow. To kind of block it. Mm -hmm. And it ends up blowing the lady <gasps> off of the broom. Wow. And giving her a concussion. Oh. She ended up being fine, but she was out of, that was her oh, last day wow. in the set of Was the she movie. burned severely or no? I, 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 she was burned, I don't think severely burned. Okay. It wow. was, but it was enough to take her off the picture. Wow. And Margaret Hamilton said that as she was getting home, Mm -hmm. The phone was ringing, and it was the studio letting her know what happened. Wow. Yeah. So she made a good choice by not doing it. Yeah. Now, 
Wizard of Oz comes out. It does good, but it's not the classic that it is today. Mm-hmm. Do you know what helped that or changed that perception of the public? Um, Gone with the Wind. Yes. Do you know how? Uh, because it was uh, shot or it, it came out around the same time as Wizard of Oz did. Well, it came out like a month or two later, so technically around the same time. Yeah. But that's not exactly how. Well, yeah. Okay. 1930s happen, 40s are going on. We all love the 40s. We do? Uh, maybe not all. Oh, my goodness. We weren't even there. We weren't even there, babes. Settle down here. What? 50s start to happen. Uh-huh. And 1956 rolls wrong. TV's becoming a thing. CBS wants to start airing Gone with the Wind mm-hmm. on their network. So they go to MGM, they're talking to everybody, and they say, we're going to offer you guys a million dollars to air Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. right? And a million dollars, it's a lot to us these days, but it's not really a lot to big network now. But back then, that was huge. Mm-hmm. MGM says no. And they say, okay, well, we still want to air some of your properties. And then he says, well, what if instead of paying a million dollars to air Gone with the Wind... We play you. We pay you uh, five hundred thousand dollars to air the Wizard of Oz twice. You get the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars this year, mm-hmm. and the next year when we rebroadcast it, we'll play, pay you another two hundred fifty thousand, mm-hmm. and we'll have an option to air it for like the next I don't know six years after that for one hundred fifty thousand um, dollars if the ratings do well enough. They agree to this, and so CBS starts airing it. And it just keeps airing on TV. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it becomes a classic. Wow. It's just, it's just on TV every year. Yep. Yeah. And and that was the one movie that I can remember that... I remember other films. We, oh, Go ahead. He didn't... Let me finish. That was the one movie that I remember in school. We would watch that before school and out for um, like Christmas uh, break. That's interesting. I don't remember yeah. doing that, but obviously I've seen The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and, and I, I love that movie. So the other thing that helped, too, is by the time it had started... So when it first came out into theaters, it got mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the critics were older, right? Yeah. But by the time it started airing on TV in 1956, the critics who were reviewing it were little kids when the movie came out. Yeah. So they had a better memory of it. So uh, they started giving it positive reviews yeah. when it would air on television. Yeah. Oh. I'm not getting it. Oh, you're not getting it. <laughs> no, I'll get it later. Okay, good. And that kind of helped the film become this iconic thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I thought that, I think it's kind of interesting. Nice. So that's that book there, Little okay, J-Wall. Well. I read other stuff this week. Okay. I don't know that we have to go through everything you read this week. Yeah, though. I don't want your book. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Of... I read a really good book, though. Okay. Can I talk about it? Yeah. The Book of Charlie. Yeah. In 2007, this reporter who is from Denver Mm -hmm. decides to move to Kansas City. And he has a neighbor across the street named Charlie. Now, at the time, Charlie was 102 years old. His name's Charlie White. And... He said one of his first memories, there's some contention of what kind of car it was, but it was of Charlie washing the car of his girlfriend who spent the night. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend was in his 80s. Her and, 80s. Yes. And you rarely think of, wow, somebody got a girl in their 80s. They must have a lot of game. I guess. But when you're 102 years old and you're dating somebody in your 80s, you're doing something right, I guess. I, I guess. Right. So... He kind of strikes up a friendship with Charlie. Charlie still lives on his own. His daughter and husband live next to him, but he's still really independent. And it's basically about Charlie's life. Charlie was born in 1905. His dad died of a freak accident in like 1913. Mm -hmm. Charlie was sent away to the summer camp. We don't know for sure, but the author speculates that Charlie might have been molested there. Mm. Um, but at the summer camp, Charlie learns how to be more independent. Yep. And he takes a trip to Hollywood with 
two other people. One of them is Edgar, Edgar Snow, who wrote a book, I think it's called Red Star Over China. And Edgar Snow is basically a reporter in China in the 1930s when Mao took over. Mm. So that's kind of like an interesting side note. Wow. One of them kind of knows an actor from the movie Wings. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it wasn't that. They're, so to put it in pro proper perspective, Charlie's going across the country in probably like 1920. Yep. <clears throat> we don't have the same railroad system mm -hmm. then that we do now. And cars are a little bit different. So mm -hmm. it's a very different experience driving that far, right? Yep. But they see this actor friend of theirs who would go on mm -hmm. to fame. Mm. But not that much because I don't remember the dude's name. And then they just kind of stay around L.A. And eventually Charlie comes back and he, you know, goes, studies medicine, becomes a doctor around the time that the Depression hits. So there's a lot of talk in the book about how instead of getting paid, they would barter. Charlie might do some medical stuff for somebody in exchange for food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or in exchange for a break on the rent. And he would make house calls. And sometimes he'd do like, he'd take people's tonsils out during the house calls. Ew. And he'd have somebody else there who was likely living with the person give the patient ether to put them wow. out. Yeah. He said wow. he'd teach them within a couple of minutes how to do it. Wow. And one time... He didn't have his equipment to take somebody's tonsils out, but he saw how they were hanging a picture. They take the picture off the wall and they use the wire that it was hanging out on. Charlie uses it to get the guy's tonsils out. Wow. Charlie gets married. His first wife dies in 1948 in a hotel with some other guy. And they think that she was on drugs at the time. Wow. He gets married to this other lady named Jean Landis, who is apparently... Uh, a pilot and she was I guess well known in that world and she also lived to be like a hundred because really? the author of the book got to interview her too they get divorced and then he marries somebody else and starts a family with her it was a very interesting book huh what do you think about this uh I don't know I don't really have any comments it's it's interesting mm -hmm. yes Yes. Yes. I would highly recommend The Book of Charlie. The Book of Charlie. Yes. I feel like I've talked a lot, babes. Yeah, you did. Yes. Is there anything you want to discuss? I had a weird dream the other night. Talk about it. It's very it. weird. So, I haven't thought about this guy much at all, really. He was a kid that I went to 7th and 8th grade with. In fact, he was one of the first people I met in my um, homeroom class <clears throat> when I started seventh grade. <clears throat> nice guy. Um, but I had this dream that I met up with him at this college or something. I think nice. I might have been a student there. But he was a couple inches shorter than me, and he talked about a lot of church things that he was involved in, which is really weird because he never talked about that when we were in school together. Oh. Um, he did have a crush on, on me at one time, but so did three other guys i'm not saying that to toot my own horn but that was just what happened nice. but nothing ever came of it and um we never saw each other again after eighth grade graduation is very interesting nice. but i don't know why he was in my dream oh god what do you think about that deal Bo? i don't know they're a little jail i don't know they are i'm happy for you they are how why i don't know because you had a dream oh my goodness well good babes a good bug is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I'm kind of tired. Oh. But I need to go check who called me. Yeah, you really need to check who called you. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up with the kiss. Oh, could you please not talk like that? Could we end this program with our lips touching in a passionate way? Not like that. How do you want me to talk then? No. No, something else. Okay, go on. Like, oh no. Let's wrap it up with a kiss. Oh. Pubs. Babes. I'm trying to be normal, but you're not. Mm. You need to be normal too, babe. Oh. Yeah. Pubs. 
You're distracting me. Oh, I'm not. Could you do that normally, please? No noises. Oh my goodness. Oh my badness. We got some snacks to munch on. There we go there, little Jim. Well, I'm happy about that there. Yeah. Yes. And ice cream. And ice cream. And as I speak right now, really quickly, I am thawing out some chocolate sauce I made uh, at the beginning of the week. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm excited. I'm dubious. To eat that. Yes. And I hope we don't have coke. No, I don't think so. Okay, good. Uh, All right, bye for now. Bye-bye. Oh, do we want to talk about the Facebook thing that happened yesterday? Uh, we can talk about that tomorrow. Okay. All right. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.